0: When you think about riding an adventure motorcycle down a steep hill in dirt, how does that make you feel? The thing is that just riding a motorcycle downhill isn't particularly difficult. What makes it difficult, what makes it so unnerving for so many riders are the obstacles that you encounter on the hill. If it were just a steep slope with plenty of traction, maybe you've ridden that kind of thing going into a parking garage or some other paved descent, no problem, but in the dirt, in the real world, Surfaces are not flat. They don't necessarily have good traction, maybe very little traction. They have ruts, roots, rocks, and a host of other obstacles, all that add to the challenge of riding that motorcycle down the hill. Now, don't worry about it, because today on Adventure Rider Radio's exclusive Rider Skills program, I'm going to be talking with Clinton Smout, and he's going to walk us through how to deal with each obstacle on its own. And then at the end, he's got some simple downhill riding exercises that you can practice with your own motorcycle at home, and you won't even need a hill for it. All today on Rider Skills. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us, we got a good one for you. Sam Mannequin, Ted Simon, Austin Simon Page, Bill Helga Jocelyn Snow, Charlie Borman, Simon Thomas, Lisa
1: Chavis. Grant
0: Johnson, Jimmy Lewis, Fair, Chris Birch, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. It's wind pressure that powers the Motobreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. Motobreeze.com And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Googletech filters. CyclePump.com. Riding a motorcycle in dirt can be incredibly rewarding and mastering those essential skills that allow you to get the full potential from your motorcycle that makes it fun and rewarding. Well, that's what our rider skills segments are all about. Rider skills is an exclusive program we developed here at adventure rider radio designed to give you the tools that can improve your riding skills, both on and off road. Now, of course, these segments are not meant to be a substitute for professional training. These are ideas and concepts that should you choose to try, you're doing so at your own risk. The downhill run is often littered with obstacles, you know, roots, rocks, ruts, and more. And that's really the cause of that pasty mouth or rapid heartbeat, sweaty palms that you've encountered on a hill or two. So today, Clinton Smout is going to lower our anxiety with some solid information that he teaches people every day about riding hills. And by the way, Clinton Smout's school is called Smart Adventures. He's in Ontario, Canada, and he's taught over something like 150,000 riders. Clinton, welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. Hi, Jim. Now, it feels like every time I talk to you now, you've just come back from some trip, which you've just come back from another trip, haven't you?
1: I did. I was really lucky to be able to have a week on the Northeast BDR. So we jumped back and forth between four states. Uh, We started in New York and then went to Vermont, Massachusetts, back to Vermont, top end in New York. And we finished off in New Hampshire.
0: Wow. Nice. And what was it like?
1: Really good. I was amazed at the different terrain, but I love winding through old, old little towns and villages where I could stop and take pictures of that type of architecture and talk to people. I loved that. And then five minutes from that location, you're deep into the woods again.
0: Yeah, So is it a lot of roads, like a, like logging type roads that you're following?
1: Yeah, there was, a, um, I'm not even sure if they used it for logging. It was so windy, you couldn't get big trucks through there. Maybe horse and wagon logging, but um, they were interconnecting trails and gravel roads from place to place. So there wasn't that much pavement that we did. It was a lot of gravel. Hmm.
0: And with difficulty level?
1: Um, There were some sections that we knew in advance. Uh, Some of them were quite hard. So there'd be climbs up rock that was often wet or very muddy trails that you're climbing up and over elevation. And that made it more challenging for some of the folks that didn't have a ton of adventure riding experience.
0: That's very good. Now, is that the last for you this year? year, We're in September now.
1: Yeah, that was my third tour. I was lucky enough to do the Yukon. Then we went to Colorado. That was a BDR route in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And then we just finished this one the other day. And there's nothing else for me. The office manager at my work was quite relieved. Oh, you're You're back back to work. (laughs) (laughs) And then in March, I'll be able to get off a snowmobile. And there's a trip down to Baja.
0: Mm, that should be fun. You just said snowmobile, and it just makes me think about snow. Well, I, I don't I want to know. think about that right now.
1: <laughs> we won't mention that word. Edit that out, Jen. For the
0: yeah, for those of us who have to deal with snow. Anyway, today we're dealing with how to deal with obstacles while riding downhill. Now, yes. um, everything we, we talk about today is, is a reference to off road riding, not street probably yes. street riding. Just so we can make that clear, it's all about riding downhill, but our focus is on obstacles obstacles found on the hills that sort of add to the challenge of riding the motorcycle down to the bottom of the hill what they do to us or or maybe our bikes and how we can use our skills and and you're going to walk us through ways to deal with this to either avoid them or ride them out and successfully end up at the bottom on two wheels. That's the the whole idea. That's the goal. <laughs> that's
1: the goal. Still, still on
0: your bike is the goal. <laughs> right, right. But but the, but there is backup stuff. So we're going to talk about that as well. And I know you have something there. So um, why don't we cover, to begin with, just proper downhill technique. We'll get that out of the way quickly. And then we'll start talking about the obstacles. Does that work?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Because we have addressed it before and other folks that you've had on have, but mm-hmm. I think a little refresher. It doesn't take long. Definitely. If you guys were standing in front of me at the downhill of our school, I would remind you of a couple of techniques. Uh, first of all, body position on the bike. We recommend you're standing up because if you do have to steer and it's very loose terrain, peg steering can work better if you're standing up. So if it's sandy and you find your bikes kind of wandering a little to the left all by itself, lean more weight on your right foot peg and it brings the bike back the direction you want. So standing's the best, especially if it's very undulated, rocky, bumpy. Every time the rear suspension comes up over these little obstacles that we're going to talk about, you're getting that right in the spine. And if it's a big enough bump, and you have fast enough speed, that's the eject button.
2: Yeah,
0: and, and there's an action and reaction, isn't there? When you're sitting down, the action of the of the bike hitting any bumper, leaning over to one side, and then there's the delayed reaction when your body suddenly flops over after the bike has already experienced it.
1: Yes, and what we've seen and what I felt before till I knew how to do it properly was it could buck you off the bike. It's almost like being out of sync with a horse that you're riding. Mm, So if you watch a good motorcyclist going downhills or over rough terrain, they're at one with the bike. Their knees are bent, elbows are bent, so they can use their muscular of their body. If you're rigid sitting or standing, you're not helping the horse go over the little bumps and terrain you're you're impeding the progress if your body position isn't correct Mm. the other thing we talk about is your weight should be back on the bike if you imagine the motorcycle is tipping down the hill there's a weight transfer forward to the contact patch of the front tire that gives us fantastic traction but we don't need any extra weight i.e our body mass. So we are standing, but our butt is back almost where a passenger would sit and your arms have straightened out a little. That way we've kept the additional weight off the front tire because you don't need any extra. You're going to get, the other thing is more the fine tuning of what you do with your body. Your eyes should be up scanning the terrain so you can pick a line now the line might be on the left side of the downhill but it changes you may have to cross a rut to get a better traction and better chance of getting down the hill but if you're looking right in front of your tire you're going to get stuck in deep ruts or hit bigger debris and obstacles because you're not looking far enough down the hill
0: you're kind of reacting, aren't you? Yes. You're, instead of looking ahead and planning, you're just waiting. To, when you're looking down in front of your wheel, you're waiting till something comes up and reacting to it. There's no plan. Yes.
1: And the eyes are the biggest part of planning. The other thing we're insistent on is two fingers over the clutch. Uh, it's very seldom that we need to pull the clutch right into the bar going down a steep hill, but it's just a good practice to have. In case you've got to give it a little shot to get over an obstacle, we want the fingers on the clutch. Just in case the throttle gets you into trouble on a downhill, the clutch can sometimes get you out of trouble. And on the other hand, we're big proponents on one finger front brake rather than your whole hand.
0: Okay, so are you saying one finger on the front brake because uh, like, if you have only one finger on it, it gives you better grip on the handlebar, or is it to do with power on the brake, or is it both?
1: Both. Um, if you grab the front brake, let's say you happen to have a bike without ABS or your ABS is off, you're already kind of in a stoppy position. The front wheel is much lower than the rear. If you hammer that front brake, what could happen is the back end of the bike's going to come up and tap you on the helmet. Or what happens more often is when you lose traction with aggressive front braking, it either falls to the right or left, it washes out mm-hmm. and you and you crash. So with a modern hydraulic brake system, you don't need four fingers. I don't want to lock up my front brake. I just want to control my descent speed by scrubbing some speed with one finger brake application.
0: Yeah, and every every bike is so powerful, isn't it, the braking system? It's just so amazing for the front now. And I always think of dexterity as well because you you when you're using the one finger, for at least for me, I, I find that there's There's just a little bit more finite control on the brake than if I'm using more fingers. If I'm using more fingers, it just feels clunky and, um, it and I don't have much control
1: over it, yeah, very true. And with experience, you'll develop a skill I think it is that you recognize when you're about to go from a slow revolving front wheel under front braking to a locked up front wheel. That sensitivity, where you can adjust the one finger application. Let's say you're on pretty hard packed gravel, but then your eyes see darker soil in front of you. There could be moisture in that. So when the terrain changes, the degree of front brake you have on that's fine here, when you get there, it's gonna cause the front wheel to lock up. You haven't changed brake application But the terrain under the front tires changed. Mm. So you have to be flexible. There's times when I take the brakes right off. I don't have the rear on and I let go of the front brake. And I'm now relying 100% on engine braking with a clutch out. Then once I get through that sand or wet ground, excuse me, I can get back on the front brake gently and carefully, and if I pull it in far enough, I have to slip the clutch back in a little. Because if the clutch is fully engaged, you've let go of it in first gear, then you put the brake on hard, you're gonna stall out your bike because the brake is more powerful. Now, um, a, a big common reason for crashing is people follow people too closely. Uphills, on trails, around corners, and especially downhill. I might be more scared, Jim, than you. I have buddies that virtually don't use the brakes on some of the trails we ride. They come off the top of a hill, they get air, and their bike lands 15 feet (laughs) down the hill. Right. But the alternative is you go off towards a downhill, you jump off too fast and you just can't handle the different terrain that is on the downhill and you crash. Mm. So one of our instructors says, ride at the pace you're comfortable crashing at. (laughs) Tip overs at five kilometers an hour are usually a joke. Right. You know, it's an inconvenience. You have to pick your bike up, but you crash going down the hill at 25 you're going to tumble a long way and your bike could well be chasing you.
0: Mm, Yeah. You were talking about spacing out as well, like spacing out going up and down. That's how we started.
1: And uh, that's very important. What we recommend is, and I joke about it, but let your friend go first, (laughs) watch their line, their speed, uh, if they're getting out of shape and if they're successful getting to the bottom. And I'll wait until the rider in front of me is pretty well looks like they're in control. They're almost at the bottom of the hill before I'll attack the hill. Mm -hmm. And I make sure I shoulder check because I don't want somebody charging down behind me and knocking me off my bike. I've mm. had that happen. Before.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, check to see what's coming up behind you. And and the thing is, it's so common to see people do that one after the other, but you're just going to add to the chaos. If somebody goes down, wh- what are you going to do? Like unless it's a really wide hill and you have lots of choice, you go around, but chances are you're going to end up being part of that and then whoever's behind you and then...
1: Exactly. Uh, one of my favorite memories of a big crash, multiple crash on a downhill is we had a phone call once, and it was an American accent, and the guy goes, "Hey, man, it's Mike Metzger. I'm not sure if you know who that is, Jim, but he's his the, what he's known at as the Godfather of freestyle motocross. So the Travis Pastrana was the next generation. Mike Metzger was the first guy to do go off a jump and do a somersault and land it. So anyway, He's in Toronto and he's pronounced it Toronto. So I knew he wasn't local. I'm at the tools show and we haven't been on a bike in three months. Can you hook us up? I guess he Googled dirt biking near Toronto and my face came up. So I borrowed a couple KTMs because he was a sponsored KTM rider, a local shop, put them together that night and By the next morning, word got out that Mike Metzger was coming to the school. And I'd heard his name, but I didn't know who he was. Anyway, he shows up, and there was quite the entourage of executives and his manager. And so a lot of our bikes were in use. And we had kind of a beginner group and obviously a very fast group. He's one of the better riders in the world, probably. So he just wants to go out for a trail ride. He doesn't want to race or show off. So we did a morning of very aggressive riding, single track, stuff that I had cut 20 years ago. So I know the trail very, very well. And I'm smart enough to realize don't ride above my skill level. So it probably wasn't very fast for him. But when we stopped for water breaks, he was loving it. He loved the loamy soil of our part of Ontario. And we often had to wait for the entourage to catch up. So we had time to chat. Very nice guy. Looks like a freak from a guy that looks like me. He's got lots of tattoos and some jewelry, but the nicest guy. Anyway, at lunch, he said, do you have any really hard trails? Well, we'd already done them. But I saw at a nearby table a guy who runs the downhill mountain bike racing program at the resort we're located at. So that's very tight downhill trails with drop-offs. I don't know if you've done any of that, Jim. But I've done it on a mountain bike. Um, I've yeah. done a fair bit of that on a mountain bike. Yeah. So I said to him, it was October. I said, do you have any customers? And he goes, no, we're closed. Would you mind if I took a few of these guys on dirt bikes down and up the mountain bike trails. And he said, yeah, but you know, don't chew them up too much. So at the top of the resort, the gnarliest downhill, I've done it many times on trials bikes and uh, I think once on dirt bikes. But anyway, we went down there. We're all on 250, 450 trail bikes. And I said to the assembled group, about 10 people, please wait until the rider in front of you has almost made it to the bottom and it flattens out a little. Because what I'm worried about is if somebody falls, there's nowhere for you to go. And there's a lot of trees. So I made it down to the bottom, and I could hear Mike Metzger's bike right behind me. He didn't listen to me. (laughs) And none of the others did. But I think the guy in third place crashed and everyone behind him crashed. and there was bikes and bodies tumbling down the hill, wow. off into trees, bikes smashed up in upside down into trees. So the only two people that made it down the hill was myself and Mike Metzger <laughs> because the third guy had wiped out, and no one waited. They all charged down behind. And it was a proud moment for me because Mike Metzger looked at me and laughed and said, I think that means we won, brother. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that happens a lot in adventure riding. People are following along behind each other in a trail, and you want to keep the person in front of you in sight. And sometimes we get a little too close, but that's forgivable on flat ground. When you get to big hills, it's it'll bite you if you if that person crashes or you do and there's someone right behind you that can get ugly. Mm-hmm. So space out. Wait for the person. Looks like they're going to be successful. They're in control. And then nothing worse than hearing a scream or a loud engine and you shoulder check and see a bike plummeting towards you.
0: <laughs> and and what, um, what about uh, you also mentioned ABS?
1: Yeah, now it's getting more and more controversial. When ABS first started into adventure bikes, it was either on or off. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, different manufacturers, you can modulate it. You could set it up that the ABS is barely on the front wheel or completely off the rear. Africa Twins, for instance, when you push the G button for gravel mode and you set up, the abs off it's only off on the rear wheel it's still off on the front wheel so if you grab the front brake a little too hard then it's not going to slide out as easily it's still possible but it won't lock up and throw you over the handlebars and it's helpful having the abs off especially if the terrain on the downhill is really loose sand maybe Maybe a little mud because it's rained a lot the last few days. I like to be able to lock up my rear brake, which creates a mound of the soil, whatever it is, in front of the rear tire. And that will decelerate you. You're kind of plowing down the hill. Uh, You leave a little furrow. There's a little rut you're creating, but um, it's better than crashing.
0: So this would be like sort of um, an extreme maneuver then?
1: Yes. Uh, Most hills that have good traction, we're advocates of one finger front brake and engine braking. You don't need the rear brake. If it's good hard ground and you put your rear brake on nervously and stab it and it starts to lock up, you could pick up speed. With a skidding right. rear tire. Mm-hmm. I always want my tires revolving, moving. I get way better controllable traction, especially from the front. It's hard to steer a skidding tire. And what about speed
0: going down the hill? Because you mentioned some of your friends are riding, like you know, jumping off the hill. Obviously, they're extreme riders, but what about speed?
1: Well, you're going to make it down the hill if you give it lots of gas and close your eyes. <laughs> but
0: remember, our objective was to end up on the bike on two wheels. On the bike, right. that's
1: right. <laughs> because gravity will help you mm-hmm. get down to the bottom. Um, but I want to be in control. So I'm crawling down that hill. In, at our school, the stage one downhill is actually a sloped gravel driveway. And the first thing we want the customer comfortable with is being in the proper body position that we talked about, eyes up, butt back, standing, two fingers covering the clutch and no brakes whatsoever. We just want them in first gear for stage one, clutch out, come down the sloped gravel descent. Then how fast did you guys get going? Did anybody look? Oh, it was 15 kilometers an hour, 10 miles an hour. Stage two, once they're comfortable with that, then we get them to repeat that descent. But now you're not allowed to go over 10 kilometers an hour, six miles an hour. And you have to control your descent speed with one finger, gentle front brake. And bear in mind, if you pull on the front brake so hard, that your bike starts to chug, it's about to stall out. So you have to slip the clutch in a little bit. So you're still getting some engine braking. But if it's fully out and you get on the front brake too hard, you're going to stall and then the engine locks up, risk of falling. Mm-hmm. So this is a really gentle slope. Once everybody's comfortable with that, we say, okay, what do you folks think about that hill over there? It's exactly the same technique. It's just steeper. It's going to take you longer to get up and a longer time to come down. But it's exactly the same technique. And if people say, you know what, I'm going to move to Saskatchewan. There's no hills. You know, you could watch your dog run away for two days. But you know what, I'm scared of doing that hill. We don't force people. But we try to motivate them that if you're going to ride big adventure bikes and do stuff like I just did to BDR, there was tons of hills up and obviously down. So if you're competent at doing it while practicing, you're going to be able to do it in the real world. Otherwise, you're going to have some disappointment and some crashes because the real world experience is usually harder than the practice. That is
0: so true. We're going to take a quick break while I tell you about two things. When we come back, Clinton's going to talk about slow to slower versus fast to slow, how that little concept will make a difference on how we tackle our downhill. Stay with us. So this is your last chance to for 2022 anyway to attend the largest overlanding event possibly in the world, Overland Expo, Overland Expo East, October 7 to 9, 2022 at the Oak Ridges Estate in Arrington, Virginia. Now they've got several options for attending from day passes to weekend passes. Also special moto passes which gets you into some special motorcycle-only events. They've uh, they've got a pass called the Moto Overland Experience, with a, which is a sort of a VIP pass for motorcyclists, including weekend camping, also tailored instruction for those who bring their own motorcycle. You pick up some tips on on riding. And here's another reason to go to Overland Expo East is Sam Manicom from Arasho is going to be there in Arrington, Virginia at the Oak Ridge's estate. It's one of Sam's stops. He's doing the U.S. tour over the coming weeks. Um, I guess that'll be coming up to near his end. But anyway, get your tickets online. Tell them you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Don't forget to say hello to Sam for us at the uh, Oak Ridge's estates in Arrington, Virginia, Overland Expo East, October 7 to 9. And don't forget when you're buying your ticket, you're talking to them, tell them you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio moto camp nerd kind of says it all doesn't it except that you won't find another store like this because according to ben and mary founders of moto camp nerd it's the only store like it there's not another one period it is a motorcycle camping store which is really cool camping from motorcycles is their specialty so if you have any gear questions they're the people to talk to they've got all the top brands like nemo equipment big agnes Sea to uh see to summit And they stock this stuff. It's not a drop shipping setup. It's a brick and mortar store because you can order online, but you can also walk in to the store. It's in Archdale, North Carolina. The website, CampMotoNerd.com. I just had a long distance discussion with Ben about sleeping bags and pads. And I'll tell you, he's got all the latest gear. And for what I've seen just recently, he's going through some testing stuff that he's doing with sleeping bags to see how well they handle getting soaked and drying out again. So this is the place to go for motorcycle camping. That That is what they focus on. Motocampnerd.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard him here on Adventure Rider Radio. Motocampnerd.com. Hey, I just want to throw in a little pitch as well for Adventure Rider Radio. We need your support. It's built on a model of advertising and listener support. We don't run an awful lot of ads. We turn down all kinds of advertising approaches so that we can give you more content. That's what we focus on, content for you. But think of the price of a cup of coffee and what you get from that. And think about what you're getting from Adventure Rider Radio. We're here every week for you. Just consider supporting. AdventureRiderRadio.com and click on support. Thanks so much. And you always say it's better to go slow to slower than from fast to slow.
1: Yeah, that's something we talk about a lot because you're charging up a hill and immediately you've crested this peak. Oh my God, there's a downhill. If you're really hauling to go up, the transition from fast to slower usually results in some traction challenges. So... What we ask people is just you should have enough momentum going uphill that you could coast the last little bit. That's when my clutch is out. I downshift if I was in a higher gear than first. I'm getting on the brakes. So when I start my downhill, I'm already doing five, six kilometers an hour, four or five miles an hour. I'm not going fast at all. Mm-hmm. When you're going slower, And I learned this in trials compared to motocross. In trials riding, it's all about traction and being able to get over obstacles. Your brain needs time to assess the line you want to pick. What kind of terrain is on this downhill? Oh, I see it looks very white sand over there. That means it's golf course, trap sand, consistency, very, very loose and soft. So I can't be on the brake there. I might want to move my line over to the edge of the trail where the tufts of grass are. I'm going to have better traction over there. Hmm. So if you're going slower, you have the time to assess all this stuff. If you go flying down the hill, you're that reactive driver. Oh, crap, I'm out of traction now.
0: It makes sense, and, and you know what? I, I've, I remember seeing some videos. Um, I think it was on one of the BDR routes, actually. But they 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 just filmed the people as they came up and they descended this hill, and it, almost every rider seemed to come up to the hill, and you could hear it. They'd pull in the clutch and try and ride the brakes, particularly the rear brake, as they were going down. And of course, they gained speed, and oh, maybe two thirds of them were crashing uh, mm-hmm. about uh, two thirds of the way down the hill.
1: Yeah, and that can really hurt and smash up your bike. Mm. Um a lot of adventure riders aren't 17 years old. We we don't bounce anymore. So I do my absolute best not to fall. I I don't yeah, I did the whole week without crashing. I actually in the mud I lost the front wheel and I put my foot down and my right I put down my brake foot. My right saddle bag, I was carrying a lot of tools and parts because once we got off into the trails, I was the sweep truck. On the pavement, we had an actual pickup truck with a spare bike in the back. <clears throat> Excuse me, but in the forest, in the tough trails, that truck couldn't go there. It was that hard, a lot of the passes we were doing. Mm-hmm. So I hate carrying heavy saddle bags. I don't – I use – a big tank bag, a dry bag behind me, and then a tool bag where a passenger would sit. But on this particular trip, I needed saddlebags. So I actually almost ran my own leg over because when I put it down, it kind of stayed there. And then my saddlebag smashed into my leg. So that was the- Is this a hard pannier or soft? Uh, hard. Oh, I see. So it helped pick my foot up very quickly, but my leg was a little sore for a couple hours.
0: Okay, so slow to slower is, is much better. That's where we're going to approach the hill. We're going to be very slow. Our body position is our weight back. We're standing on our pegs. We have one finger on the front brake, two fingers on the clutch. Our eyes are up and, and watching our track. Um, we're using engine braking to um, to go down the hill, which means the clutch is engaged and it's in first gear because we're going very slow. And, um, we're, we're, we've got our line and we're going down the hill. So now what we want to talk about is obstacles that we run into on the hills, because some of these, you know what what I want to ask you to, before we get into this, it seems to be a a real fear for people to do downhill stuff. And and, and part of that, and part of that with that whole front brake thing. And the reason is I think that that video I just told you about where the people are putting on the rear brake, I think people fear the front brake is going to put them over the handlebars. I agree. Know, if they if they lock
1: it up too much. I've asked people about, what do you think about the statement I just made where I only want you to use the front brake? And if they're honest, they'll say, I think you're nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's and right. I felt this myself because I've ridden off-road my entire life and I probably used both brakes downhills, but mostly rear because I've gone over the handlebars many times as a bicyclist. Many, many times because it's so lightweight and the fork angle on most, the rake angle of most bicycles, the forks are almost straight down compared to the easy rider Captain America chopper. Right. Well, they were
0: in your day. Now, of course, they've got advanced mountain bikes with yes, heavy right. rake and everything. Yeah.
1: Yes, but it was very easy to go over the handlebars with aggressive front braking on a bicycle. So it makes sense that motorcyclists who actually saw the Beatles on TV play, (laughs) they are hesitant about using the front brake aggressively. And even street riders, um, way, way back, Honda engineers realized with corresponding with dealers and looking at forensics of accidents, Goldwing riders were replacing rear brake pads At three times the rate as front brake pads, even though it was double discs up front. And it was because they weren't using the front brake. Mm, Right. So, what Honda engineers did was linked braking. If the rider puts the rear brake on only, the left front rotor would also go on. Even though they never touched the brake lever with their hand, they still were getting some braking. Right. And that, I think, Illustrates how freaked out motorcyclists were about using front brakes.
0: Mm, that's interesting. Designed to make up for the lack of rider skill
1: in a way. Yeah, or how stupid people were. Right. Yeah. Well, I However you look at it. But um,
0: but okay. So and so we like that's a huge fear, right? I mean, you know that's that is time. something. But it's not like it it um it shouldn't keep you from putting the front brake on.
1: No, and that's why we've got to practice these things. But I think another part of the fear is. I would rather go up a steep, ugly hill. Because if I fall over, literally, I stop where I land. I don't usually roll back down the hill. Mm -hmm. But man, if you crash going down some steep stuff like where you lived in British Columbia, um, you know, in Ontario, our hills would be a bump in British Columbia.
0: it, the thing the thing there yeah. is too is a lot of the hills that I would end up riding is they would have a lot of rock on them yes and and that makes it very very difficult, very the,
1: challenging.
0: yeah and you're so you're not only having to, to do the whole downhill control thing and then we're going to talk about this, but you're also having to deal with obstacles and go over them.
1: Yeah. so um but a lot of people would rather go up hills and crash if they had to then downhill because you're going to roll maybe the bike chases you it can get very ugly mhm to do but
0: okay anyway let's let's jump into obstacles so what kind yeah. of obstacles i just mentioned rocks and they're very difficult because they they yes. roll around and so rocks would be one thing what else
1: yeah i think if we can talk about rocks expand on it just sure. a bit jim um what I did in this BDR route is I set my suspension up to its hardest setting on the BMW GS. You know, you push a little button with a, looks like a picture of a shock on it, mm-hmm. and a little one helmet shows up. If I hold it on two helmets, so it would electronically adjust the preload at the rear, it makes it a little stiffer.
0: So this is just the spring preload, so you're, you're, That's you're winding correct. the spring tighter.
1: Basically. Yeah, so I want um, pretty stiff suspension for rocky downhills, but I also want good suspension. So the type of bike we take adventure riding. If you take um, a lot of manufacturers will make a street scrambler, which is it's a retro-looking bike from Steve McQueen's era. Yeah, I love them. on a Triumph. Yeah, and I love the look of them. I bought a Triant Scrambler a couple of years ago and just, it's one of the prettiest bikes I own. And it is amazing off-road where some of them are not. They have an upswept exhaust, but it's basically street suspension. So be careful with the type of bike you're going to attack obstacles on a downhill because it could bottom out. I want a skid plate, uh, 50-50 tires in good condition, and I'm an advocate of full inflation. A lot of people say, you know, for mud and rocks, I drop my tires down to 15. Well, you must do a lot of tire and rim repair. Yes, you'll get better traction, but you're you're going to have troubles, especially if it's not a spoked wheel. And then when I'm ready to do these big rocks, what kind of rocks are they? You mentioned the ones out west. In Uh, The BDR in New York and New Hampshire areas, there was a lot of rocks that are rounded. So if you hit them, they would actually roll back down the hill. They were movable rocks. Some of them, uh, people call them baby head sized rocks. Other rocks are embedded into the ground. You're not going to move them with a Jeep, never mind an adventure bike. And they can be really helpful to slow down your descent a little. It's like sticking your boot under the tire just for that millisecond, you're gonna roll over it. So again, you have to be standing, but it will help slow your descent. So sometimes the obstacles can be helpful and other times you've gotta be able to have a flexible line selection. And zig and zag between the bigger stuff, because I don't want to go over a bowling ball, you know, the 10 pin bowling, the big ones. I don't want to go over a rock that big, especially if it's got rounded edges, because I could kind of fall off to the right or left. I'm not going to land properly Mm -hmm. and that can cause a crash.
0: You just mentioned about the, the tires being full inflation over the rocks because, and you're saying about fixing flats, that's because you get a pinch flat, which is where your yes. your rim actually pinches the tube or the tire or both against the rock because it's it's compressing that much. So that's the danger of underinflation. The advantage of of underinflation, of course, is it gives you more traction and a smoother yes. ride.
1: And you must have experienced that in the four-wheeler mode, the Jeeps and things like that, yeah. where they would drop down suspension. It gives you a wider footprint to crawl over obstacles, but you can get away with one kilometer an hour where we'll tip over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and definitely with four wheel drives. Yeah. You you can lower your, your air pressure way down the motorcycles. I mean, you do that as well. There's times when you lower your pressure on your bike, right?
1: I haven't in years and years and years, just trials bikes. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, though, uh, with you, Clint, yeah. is like
0: you're an advanced, like very advanced rider. So I mean, you can get on any bike and and make it look easy. Whereas, you know, for the rest of us, we need every little help, we every little bit of help we can get. So is part of that because you just don't like inflating it again afterwards?
1: No, um, I don't like fixing yeah. bent rims.
0: Oh, so that that's it. You're you're thinking totally yeah. about, and this is because adventure bikes are just so darn heavy.
1: Yes. And I've come across that on these tours where I've been helping out at the back for this kind of commercial approach of shipping people's bikes, et cetera, Mm -hmm. I've probably done five, uh, rim repairs. Uh, they were either BMWs or KTMs that were tubeless and the rim has been smashed by hitting rocks so hard that it won't hold air. But anyway, uh, Twice I've had to, with rocks, smash rims back into a roundness shape until it would hold air. Mm, Yeah. Don't you carry a hammer? Well, we do, but that was in the sweep truck way behind me.
0: (laughs) I I knew that, but I had to say that because I thought somebody's going to be listening saying, why doesn't he just take a hammer? Exactly. (laughs) They have a truck. You could take a
1: welder. Yeah. But I think if you're going slow enough and you've got good tires and you've picked the best line possible, you don't need to let air out to descend. Mm.
0: Okay. So, um, rocks, what other sort of obstacles do we find?
1: Ruts. Mm. I would, even though it's a depression in the ground, we don't have to go over it. That, from my experience, is what crashes most people.
0: So, we've got rocks, we've
1: got um, ruts, what else? Uh, we've encountered, especially after heavy rains, debris is washed onto the downhill. So it could be sticks, small trees, maybe the soil is softened up with the rain and a tree has fallen over across the downhill.
2: Okay.
1: That type of debris can really impede or make your downhill more challenging. Uh, oh, the other one is other riders <laughs> falling oh, yeah. in front of you.
0: So riders in front of you, riders coming up the hill. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's that's something you can easily
1: forget to yeah. to deal with. Um, anything else? No, I think roots. that encompasses roots. Roots exactly. For when again, when the soil is washed away, the light sediment, sand, and soft soil is it going to be at the bottom of the hill? So if it's a treed area, there's lots of roots, mm. and they're very slippery. Right. Okay, so shall
0: we let's let's break them down one at a time, uh, yeah. and, and different techniques and tips that you can give for for riding them, and we'll we'll go right back over to the top and start with rocks.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so the smaller rocks, stones rather, if they're loose, you have to be very careful not to lock up the front brake. So it's gentle braking, but full engine braking with the clutch out. Just have two fingers over it. The butt is back, your eyes are up, you're picking a line, and you want to get the best traction possible. So I seldom go down the middle of the downhill as far as the lane position kind of thing mm-hmm. because that's where everybody else has gone. So there's sometimes better traction at the edge of the trail as long as it's not toward a big cliff drop-off. Mm-hmm. And that I'll pick a line that has the best traction. So I might change it left to right quite a bit as I'm descending, but you can only do that if you're in control and that's slow speed. Because as the rocks get bigger, you can't just go straight down, kind of the hallelujah descent, clutch out, (laughs) let her go, (laughs) because they're too big, some of them, and you'll bounce out of control so that zig and zag is very important to be able to do as you're going down
0: any technique for dealing with those larger uh, what people call baby head size and above particularly those rocks when you get to those steep hills where the rocks as you mentioned move they'll roll down the hill um, as you're trying to pick your way through Uh, like for instance how do you pick a line
1: well i really look at what the rider in front of me is doing And that's why I let people go first. I'm always at the back, but I'm stopped at the top of the hill and I see how their line was successful. And that tells me a lot about the traction available in the various terrain. And if there's big rocks and I didn't like their line choice, maybe they weren't successful and I've had to park my bike. Another reason to wait at the top or bottom on hills for another rider to get through it is if they're not successful and you're a nice person and you want to go help them. If you're on a steep up or downhill, you can't put your bike on the side stand. It's really hard. So do you want to lay your bike over in the ground? I don't. Mm -hmm. So I'll walk down the hill, help them, and then walk up to my bike. And that's a bit problematic at my age and my heart condition if you're in Really high elevation doing downhills. You've got to take your time. Mm-hmm. So, I also carry nitroglycerin in my right uh, BMW jacket pocket. I almost used it in Colorado because I did have to walk up and down the hills quite a few times to help others. Wow. And that was really steep, 12,000 feet up. And that was the first time I felt like, yeah, I think I might take a couple shots. But That's a little scary, isn't it? Yeah, it was because I'm the guy at the back. There's nobody behind me. Yeah, It's hard to hook up booster cables to your bike to give yourself a defibrillator. <laughs>
2: <That's right. laughs>
1: but I luckily I was okay. But that's another reason just um, for being able to park your bike and go help someone else. Don't be on the hill wait and see if they make it.
0: That's that's That makes really, really good sense because also when you're going to help somebody, likely you're going to put a lot of physical exertion into helping somebody else get going again. Then you're going to yeah. walk back to your bike. If you have to pick up your bike on the hill at that point and get going uh, again, that's a different story altogether.
1: I've done it. It's horrible. Mm. What I'll do is slide it around, scratching up the crash guards, so that when I lift it, gravity's helping me. Right. Because it's pointing downhill that way. hmm Uh, but it's hard yeah but for big rocks now this i think it is a little bit more an advanced skill i must admit i was a little bit bored with the pace on some of the downhill sections last week like people were stopped with their feet down and then would crawl a foot on these big baby head boulder type downhill descents Mm. and there was quite a few of those big rocks so what i would do for fun And I I invented it, I think. At least I've never experienced it. I thought if only some of those big movable rocks were out of the way, it would be a lot easier for people who weren't uh, comfortable going down big hills. So I was using my BMW 1200 to both slow down my descent speed and to clear the trail a little. I was angling my bike and hammering into these bigger rocks with my front wheel and letting them roll off to the side a little bit. And I was trying to do it without putting my feet down. It was kind of fun. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that might be an advanced technique. I think we should skip that one for the show. Let's skip
1: that one. (laughs) But um, the other secret is if you're going really, really slow and you're in control, you're confident with your front brake, you can go around a lot of the big rocks Mm. that's the beauty of the motorcycle compared to perhaps a jeep one side of their wheels is going to hit something they can't avoid all of it so they need really good suspension and slow speed where we can zig and zag around a lot of obstacles
0: you just mentioned stopped feet down that people were stopping putting their feet down and earlier you'd said it's better to it's easier to go from slow to slower than fast to slow and and you said first gear go slow down the hill there's a difference between stopped and really slow isn't there
1: There is and unless folks are comfortable going really slow they're more likely to have a little tip over that little panic when you're leaning farther to the left than you're comfortable, mm-hmm. and then you got to put your left foot down. So I tell people, you know, if you're being judged in a competition, trials, for instance, every time you put a toe down is illustrative of a lack of confidence and skill in your own riding ability. So you're penalized with a demerit. And so the person watching you do trials has a fist held up every time you put a toe down a digit comes up and when I first tried trials 35 years ago I went with a friend I didn't know how to score or anything but I thought boy everybody's so friendly they're waving at me (laughs) but uh, so getting back to the rocks if you go very very slow and it's sketchy traction rather than tip over with your feet on the pegs, put both boots down and kind of duck walk down the hill. Now, the only brake you have left is the front and engine braking. And that's one of the bailouts we can elaborate on later, isn't it?
0: Okay. Um, So, so tips for any other tips for, for riding
1: down with the, with the rocks? Uh, I think the, You've got to practice it if you can find some rocky trails. There isn't a lot of them in the forests that we use. It's very sandy, very loamy. I think uh, most there must be a tilt in North America because, man, was there a lot of rocks in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot in New Brunswick where I've ridden in the Fundy area. And in British Columbia, some trails I've been on were a lot of debris and rocks. It depends mm. on the consistency of the mountain.
0: Yeah, it seems like when you get the steeper hills, the the soil disappears quickly, exposing yes. the the rocks where, that are left over. Um, okay, so and and then you mentioned ruts.
1: Um, yes. So, what, what? How do we deal with ruts? Well, you either stay out of them, you're in them, or you cross them. You pretty well got three choices. But the approach is exactly the same as any other descent obstacle. You don't want to go flying down them too fast. Even if there's no rocks and it's smooth, when heavy rain comes, water will find the shortest course down a slope or a hill. And it will carry with it the loose, very soft, light sediment, which is usually sand. So in the forest where I train and ride, The bottom of the hill, you know there's a hill coming because it's very soft sand at the bottom. And what's left is the ruts created by the erosion. So that's how the ruts get there. Some of it is from throttle, people going up a hill, they're trenching a rut by moving the material out with their rear tire. But most ruts that cause adventure bike riders' problems are created by erosion, heavy rain. Mm -hmm. and so it's not going to be perfectly straight it'll zig and zag down the hill as the terrain changes so what we train we have specific rutted out hills we'll tell them okay get off your bikes walk over here let's walk down 20 feet see how this rut is pretty deep over here on the left i wouldn't go in there let's stay on the right But look what happens as the trail turns a little bit of a bend. The rut now goes from the left side to the right side. So you guys have to cross over the rut to get to the better terrain to descend down the hill. And we show them exactly where other people have crossed over the rut. So what we say is if you're on the right-hand side of the trail, and you want to move to the left side, but the ruts in the middle, you have to attack that as at sharp an angle as possible. Because if you gently try to cross, your front wheel is going to drop into that rut and that could cause problems.
0: So so it's the same as any obstacle that you're passing. You want to hit it at a
1: right angle. Exactly. So you
0: dead on or as close, like you're saying, as you can. Yeah. Obviously, we can't always.
1: No, and especially on a downhill, the trail might not be wide enough to do a 90-degree turn to the left and cross straight. Right. Because you can't turn back and you're just going to fall over if you're perpendicular to the hill. Mm -hmm. But usually we can crack the bars a little bit to cross on an angle, get our tire across that rut. If, As long as the rut's not three feet wide, you can do that. And that's a good way to get down rutted, rutted hills is to switch from one side to the other, where the best traction and travel is.
0: and do you um do you do anything with your rear brake or anything like that to try and make crossing the the rut any easier?
1: Yeah, I get off the brakes just for that little instant because I don't want to uh, have the suspension hunkered down and a back wheel locked up that's going to drag me into the rut. I want to be as light as possible. If I could jump over the rut completely, I'd be happiest. Mm -hmm. But um, often we can't. You can hit a rock on one side and leap over, but that's a little more advanced. But just getting across it as easily as possible is the goal. So no breaks at all for me. And then get back on them when you're in good traction area.
0: Okay. Now, roots, um, they, they can cause some real havoc because they certainly aren't at right angles ever. Yes. They never seem to be convenient. As a matter of fact, the roots I come across seem to be set up to there to be inconvenient for me. Yeah. So, so how do we deal with roots?
1: It's like little sticks, but they're very slippery. Mm-hmm. So, again, you've got to be going slow enough to assess the route to see it and think, okay, what's the best attack to get over this? If you're flying down a hill, you can't make those changes to your steering to get over obstacles like roots or ruts. So being in control, having braking ability, and whether it's the engine, the rear, or the front – that's paramount to this. It's probably the most important thing for descending and getting over obstacles is being at a slow speed. You've got to be in control or you're going to fall down.
0: And the thing with ruts so, is they always yeah. seem to be pointed. They always seem to be point, like on an angle, but they're also pointed down because obviously they grow down into the ground. So they're never like a log crossing, you know, which can be no. even as you go across.
1: Yeah. And now I, In our own training area, we try to avoid areas that have those. It's so gutted that the roots are exposed
2: Mm -hmm.
1: because that trail is pretty well toast for most users. And the forests we use are multi-used forests. So what the forestry people will do and the clubs that volunteer is we'll go in with machinery and fix those trails and then not use them for a while. Let the leaf mold or grass, baby trees come back because otherwise um, it's ruined. People can't hike that. That's not a pleasurable hike. Mm -hmm. Or a horse could break a leg so easy if there's exposed roots and the soil around it is gone. So we we just shut those down and, and do our best to fix them.
0: And what about debris? Because you mentioned about debris, maybe washed down or, or however it got there. So dealing with debris as far as riding over it goes, I guess that's part of your scoping out the hill, isn't it? I mean, we didn't really mention that at the start, but that you're going to look at the hill first to see what your route is. Well, you did. You talked about picking your line.
1: Yes. And if you can see far enough down the hill, the best way to get over the debris is without your motorcycle go down there is it movable it could two of two riders pick up that tree and move it off to the side i'd rather do that on my boots because if i take the bike down if it's steep enough i can't park it if there's no trees i can lean it up against or if the hill hasn't eroded because you know 50 60 years of erosion It's like driving down a large shape of a letter U and you're at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So those ones are, are helpful if you have to get off your bike or have trouble, just lean up against the hill, shut it off and leave it in first gear. It's not going anywhere. You don't need the side stand. But often if it's open and flat, it's very hard to stop your bike to help someone if you're already on the hill. Uh, sometimes I'll pass them and say, "You know, I'll I'll just get down to the bottom and I'll walk back up to help you. Just relax, right where you are." And you hope that the bike isn't on their leg or the muffler burning them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you you know the one thing we didn't talk about where we didn't mention as far as types of obstacles go, going down the hill. And I don't know, maybe because it's, it's not really an obstacle, but sand going down the hill. Yeah.
1: And that gets a lot of people in trouble as far as trying to control their speed and their steering. Um, You're going down a hill. So we mentioned before, there's a weight transfer onto the steering of your bike, the front wheel. Now you're going down a hill. Steering is slower, less responsive because that front wheel is burrowing into the sand. On flat ground, we would say, light it up, have a little throttle on mm-hmm. so that your suspension's elongated, the front tire's light, and it skims across the sand. Well, what kind of nuts gonna do that going down <laughs> a really ugly hill? That could be a real problem. So you have to let it burrow. And in a sense, that can help decelerate you. And then what I would do is get on the rear brake very hard because if you are aggressive with the front brake in that soft terrain, it's probably going to slide out more readily than hard ground. So by dragging sand and debris in front of the rear wheel with the brake locked up, that's going to slow me down big time. And slower speed equals more control and more time for decision-making.
0: And if if you have the rear locked up and it starts to go sideways, you just okay. let off the brake.
1: Yeah, you can do that or adjust your front wheel. There's a great big hinge just underneath the <laughs> handlebars.
2: So just the steer yourself wheel. straight.
1: Yeah, just like you would in your mom's car. You know, you're doing donuts or something. You would turn to the right if the back wheels are swinging around to the left. Mm-hmm. You know, just to, that type of control comes with some practice.
0: So the common thread through all of this is slow and in control. It is. That that's yes. what, that's what you're saying through it all. I mean, so virtually every obstacle we've talked about, that's kind of the key to to what you're talking about is is slow, in control, and of course the other thing is try to cross things at as much of a right angle as you possibly can.
1: Yes. And that's where a lot of practice in the. I've got some great things that people could practice before they get to a hill. You don't even need a hill to practice.
0: Okay, perfect. So but wait, before we get to that, I have, yeah, I have a question I want to put to you. For yeah. the people that find it very, very scary, how do you overcome the fear?
1: Uh, tennis. You should try Tennis. No, we don't say that. <laughs> you mean
0: instead of riding? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sell your bike. Yeah, yeah sell no. your bike and get a tennis racket. Right.
1: No, very cool. Um, there, there is a fear is of what you expect is going to happen. So if you've crashed going down a hill, um, in the little bit of motocross racing I did, that's where I had a bad crash, where I came off. The top of a hill so fast that I landed halfway down, then crashed. My bike landed on me, knocked the wind out of me. Looked like a loser in front of all the people watching, and that ra- that race was done. My bike was all beat up. The forks were not were tweet. We call it where your front wheel's pointing to the left. The handlebars were to yeah. the right. So that's always stuck with me. Uh, So, going down a hill really fast is unnerving for me, probably because of that accident 35 years ago. And so, I'm more hesitant on downhills than I am on uphills. Uphill speed is your friend, momentum Mm -hmm. is your friend. Downhill, it's the enemy. So, I get it why people might be really nervous. Gravity is going to make that bike go the same direction you do if you go over the handlebars. So that's a concern for us. We just don't want to fall, period. But down the hill is more scary, so I get it. But um, the only thing that overcomes fear is confidence that it's not going to happen. So if you train and give yourself the skill sets of being able to go down a hill slowly with front brake perhaps, uh, clutch out, and having the time to go around the obstacles and to handle the terrain that you're worried about crashing in, then you're not going to be scared anymore. Um, I didn't hear any screaming in my helmet going down steep hills this past summer, and we did a lot of them in Colorado. And the BDR in the Northeast, because I'm confident in being able to, what I practice a lot of, Jim, is going down a hill and stopping completely with my feet up on big adventure bikes. Mm. I love doing that. Just momentarily. Just a couple of seconds. And if you can, if it's soft terrain and you can just wiggle the back or the front wheel a little bit with the handlebars and make a little depression, You can stay there for minutes and that's a GS challenge that we do is can you stop on a descent and feed up, hold the bike for five seconds and you get big points if you can do that. And it's doable. It's actually it crushes down the front suspension because of the weight transfer and it makes it easier than balancing without a kickstand or your boot on flat ground it's much easier on a hill so that's one of the advanced homework things i was going to talk about
0: the ones that i find difficult and i know there's a, this one hill in particular i used to go to a fair a fair bit just to practice on but it's steep enough that you actually can't because you, you're going to go down whether your wheels are locked or whether your wheels are rolling this yes. this hill you're going down it no matter what there's no stopping on it but it's um uh, and it's very rutted, and it's got some big baby head size rocks in it that roll when you bump them. It's quite a challenge; it really is, and it's quite a challenge even to control the speed to stop yourself from gaining speed because as you hit the rocks, it's almost like have an ABS on. The rocks roll underneath your tires, and you know right. what I mean. And you're gaining, you're gaining speed. I'm probably overriding my skills at that point, but I'm, I'm trying to build into it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where uh, folks and I get scared on bikes too. If we are out of our comfort zone, that's where fear will sneak in. Mm -hmm. And the only thing to counter that is have good judgment saying, you know what? That hill is just too much for me. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to do before I get on the hill, I know the pavement's back there. The BDR system, for instance, is very well designed. Most of the C4 hard, hard sections have a bailout if you will or an alternative (laughs) to go around by pavement or gravel road and it lines back up so you might come out the other side almost the same time as the people who did the hard stuff because they have to go very slowly Mm -hmm. and if you've got a gps the the line on their BDR maps that you download, there'll be different colors. For instance, yellow might be the go around and red is the steep, ugly one. That's the hard section. So there's, you know, fear can be a, a really life preserving thing that we encounter. If you're as dumb as your boot and you're not scared and you just charge down these really steep downhills, you can get seriously hurt Mm -hmm. if you're not really careful. So I I think fear is a very good thing if it protects us. Where it's bad is if it ruins your ride and future rides. Um, We met a, a person that wasn't very comfortable with perhaps a taller bike than they should have had. They dropped it a lot on tight turns, so they froze a little when doing U-turns, tight, tight turns to go back to pick up a trailhead that we'd missed and very, very fearful of falling because they'd done it before. So I think what we have to do is practice the things we're scared of before we get to Trails where there's other people watching and there's, you know, it's just harder psychologically to handle steep, steep downhills where you're on a tour with a group of people. I highly recommend people practice it first, not by themselves. Go out with a friend, take a course if you can find one and build up that confidence. And that's what gets rid of the fears. Practice. Skill.
0: Yeah. And I, am I am attracted to those ones that I find difficult. I find those are the ones I keep going back to, you know, because it is a challenge, you know, it does, it feels like you're learning. I mean, it's nothing's more fun than that, than learning. Exactly.
1: To get down to the bottom and give the other rider a high five. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's a real sense of accomplishment. (laughs)
0: I've got two things I want to tell you about in this break. Afterwards, when Clinton comes back, I'm going to ask him about a bailout plan. So what can we do if everything goes pear-shaped for us? And you know what? He's got an answer for this that should work for just about everyone. Stay with us. Go light, go fast, go far with Giant Loop. Giant Loop has grown in leaps and bounds and has just expanded again. And that's because the folks at Giant Loop have stayed true to their credo to make products that are purpose-built to enhance the riding experience for those who want a modular and customizable packing system that's durable, stable, intuitive, and lightweight. No extra straps and buckles. You're not going to find that on giant loop stuff. No everything in the kitchen sinks designed. You're not going to find that on giant loop stuff. Instead, what you get is solid, durable, modular bag systems that allow any rider to sort of build their own kit to suit their style. From tank bags to panniers for dual sport bikes, onto adventure motorcycle world traveler panniers, even fuel bags. It's a huge lineup that you can trust for quality giant loop moto anytime you're dealing with them throw in there that you heard them here on adventure rider radio giantloopmoto.com make no mistake your foot pegs are everything to you as an adventure rider when you stand you use peg waiting to steer they're your connection when you sit and ride hundreds of miles or kilometers they're your connection simply getting on and off your bike they are your connection so with something as important as a foot peg Like a mechanic will tell you about quality tools, quality tools not only make the job easier, but sometimes they make the difference of either getting the job done or getting yourself in trouble. Same goes for foot pegs. Now, IMS Products has a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs, and here's why I want you to look at IMS Products. IMS began way back in 1976, and ever since then has been owned and run by riders and racers. Now, if you know any riders and racers, you'll know how they are sort of obsessed with the ride, the race, the community. They're doing it because they love what they do. IMS has designed their adventure motorcycle foot pegs from the ground up. Then they've tested and took feedback from top racers and riders to get the result they now have in their lineup. IMSproducts.com is the website. Have a look at their full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs. IMSproducts.com. Now, the other question I have for you before we get into the homework was so what happens if it all goes wrong? What's our bailout plan? So maybe you head down the hill. You don't make your obstacle. You end up with the bike down. What do we do?
1: Well, let's, before it crashes, um, the, I was saying earlier, if someone was watching you and filming you to put you on YouTube, every time you put a foot down, it's an admission that I, I'm not very comfortable here. Who cares? There's nobody filming most of us. So if it, does require it you feel like you're gonna tip you're going too fast slow right down sit down and put your feet down you just have to be careful that if the bike falls and your boot is already on the ground you've got to kick that leg up out of the way so you don't get trapped under the motorcycle Mm -hmm. but it'll inspire confidence if your feet are on the ground going down these steep downhills And then just work the clutch in the front brake. Move a few feet at a time. I've done it where I shut the bike off. Now I've got 100% engine braking. I don't have to worry about the throttle. And I just slip the clutch in a little bit smoothly, which allows the back wheel to turn. It's kind of like having the rear brake on. And that's how I've gotten down through some ugly sections. And we actually train that in level two on a really steep downhill, shut your motor off, just use first gear in the clutch with your feet down. Mm -hmm. And if it gets to the point where the bike has fallen, then relax for a minute, make sure you're not hurt. I would take a minute when I'm on my boots. Okay. I know I'm going to be able to pick it up eventually, What is the best line here? I'll take a minute. There's nothing happening to my bike when it's on the ground. I'll shut the key off, go for a little walk down the hill, say, okay, this line looks good. I chose the wrong line. That's what made me fall. I'm moving over here to the edge where nobody's ridden. That's going to be better traction. So then philosophically, I'll go back up and think, there's no damage to the bike. I'm fine. Now, how do I get this thing up? We had a bike fall, um, a Triumph Tiger. Just the way it slid out in the mud, it fell with the wheels up. And what I was worried about is a lot of bikes. When it's upside down, the oil in the engine will circulate through, kind of like a, a crankcase breathing hose. A lot of modern motorcycles will reburn the air or gases on the top of an engine, they'll re-filter it through the air box. And that way, it's just environmentally better. It's better for the engine.
0: It's through the the EGR system, the exhaust gas recirculation system. Takes it And also the blow-by from the piston and any gases produced from the oil is drawn into the intake and then burned.
1: Yeah, yeah. What you said, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) But... That what happens, a negative of that system on a BMW, for instance, if a boxer is upside down for any length of time, there's oil that gets into actual oil into the air box system. Then you fire your bike up, and the air coming into the engine is saturated with wet oil. That bike is going to smoke for Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. helps curb the mosquito population for a while. <laughs> so when a bike's upside down like that, I put my bike on the stand and raced over and helped the rider up. And then I grabbed the back wheel and simply tilted it on the great big rock it was on so that I could get it wheels down. And then I wasn't worried about the oil going into the airbox.
0: And then at that point, you, you assess things at that point then?
1: Yeah. And... It was easier to lift it up onto both wheels and off the engine cases, the crash guards, with the wheels in that low position. So on downhill, sometimes our bike falls. If there's a slope to the hill sideways, the handlebars are much, much lower than the wheels. That makes it really hard to pick up. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that well? Yep. It's really hard because you're lifting from a low position. You have a lot further area to lift until the balance point. So what I'll do is drag the bike. I've got crash guards. I might scratch them up a bit, but I'm not going to damage the bike. I drag it to the point where the tires are lower than the handlebar when it's on the ground or at least level. Then I've got a much easier opportunity to lift that thing up. I make sure the bike is in first gear. If it's somehow fallen in neutral, in my right coat pocket, I carry some Velcro and I put my front brake on and wrap the Velcro around it. This is if the bike has crashed on the left side, on the gear shifter side, and I can't get at it to put it in gear. If it crashes on the brake side, I just put it in first gear if it's popped into neutral. Then I lift it slowly. So with a lot of bikes, I'll use the handlebar rather than putting my butt backwards on the seat. Now, if you've got side panniers on, saddlebags, maybe your seat isn't really low to the ground, the motorcycle seat. So if it's a couple feet off the ground, I will put one hand on the back rack, the left Hand, My right hand's on the handlebar, butt's on the seat, and I'll work the bike backwards, stand it up. Mm -hmm. But however way you pick it up, once this bike is up, you're probably going to need a little breather. Catch your breath. You've assessed the line that you're now going to take. And if it looks really dangerous and I'm risking crashing again, but either trying to ride it, or even get on the thing and keep my feet down, I'll walk it down the hill.
2: Mm,
1: And I do that. I'm on the left side of the bike and I lean it towards me a little bit. So the bike is leaning to the left towards me. I shut the engine off. It's in first gear. And I simply pull in the clutch a little to break the hold that the back wheel has the back wheel is my anchor holding me stopped on the hill. If I slip the clutch a little, that breaks free. So you don't pull it in quickly or all the way. Or you will be flapping in the air beside your bike going down the hill.
0: It's almost like a reverse brake, isn't it? Because, it is. Because the, the clutch or the clutch out, the brake is on. I'm talking with the engine off, just what you're describing yes. here. The the clutch out, the brake is on. And as you pull the clutch in, you're sort of releasing the brake as opposed to applying the brake. It's
1: the reverse brake. Exactly. It's fantastic. Because if you try neutral and front brake only walking mm-hmm. down the hill you're going to wipe out
0: yeah and that's what i was going to mention because yeah. you said a minute ago about how you practice and you teach people to shut off their engine in the more advanced one and use the engine use the clutch um and slip the clutch as you go down the hill that's because you're going at a slower speed than what you would if the engine was running that's why you exactly. said you shut it off shut off the engine yes
1: exactly mm-hmm. and no brakes are allowed in that lesson Just engine braking. Oh, I see. You can't use the front brake because you should be able to rely on just the clutch and the brake. And it gives you a better sensitivity of clutch engagement Mm -hmm. because many people use a clutch on-off. There's a lot of space in between on and off that helps us keep control of our motorcycle, Mm -hmm. especially big adventure bikes.
0: Yeah. And we talk about this all, every time we talk, we, we, this comes up, the, the, the clutch it's use. The clutch, it's it it's is. amazing. It'll just be how on it, my gravestone. <laughs> it's amazing how important it is um, yeah. for riding. But that's why you were and talking so, about, there was times when you've been in something really technical, I don't know, maybe you dropped your bike or something, but you said where you'd shut the engine off and you would just use your brakes at like your front brake and then the clutch and then your feet down. Because if your feet are down, you would, if the engine's running, you would need the clutch in. So, yes. what the reason you shut it off is because you have both feet down, which means it eliminates your rear brake use of your right foot, and you're using your now your clutch with the engine off as your rear brake.
1: Yes, okay. that's exactly it. And there's no shame in that. The goal is to get down the hill. Yeah, uh, I've had sense. customers that say, "Well, you know, I really want to learn how to ride it down." Yeah, do that on an easier hill. Mm-hmm. Let's get down to the bottom so we can go find one. The goal is always to get down without you or your bike wrecked.
0: Yeah, it's pretty easy to get excited, isn't it? <laughs> when we do this sort of yes. stuff and, and, and go beyond our skill.
1: Yes, and it happens fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> going from, hey, I'm up riding to, oh, that really hurts. That yeah. takes a second.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but what walking your bike down the hill, you've, you're still going to encounter everything we've already talked about. Ruts, debris, logs, big rocks if it gets a little ugly let go of the clutch the bike stops Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you can walk very very slowly leaning the bike up against your right hip and and then assess the situation say okay i think i'm ready got my breath back and then eventually you're down at the bottom
0: Okay. So um, I, I just want to recap this. So for for going down the hill, we're going very slow or, or maybe you can do it. Just just walk through, yeah, just do a fast recap.
1: Yeah. Um, it takes practice to go really, really slow because people will lose their balance left or right and have to put a foot down and then things can go wrong. So mm. it's, it's a progression of practice that allows you to go slow enough that you're in control. Let's put, put it that way and to achieve that you use a combination of the clutch out so we get engine braking at the rear wheel and one finger front brakes we don't need the power of four fingers and it's very hard to gain control of the handle grip when all all you have is your thumb on it that's the thought process behind one finger Mm -hmm. and then your eyes have to be assessing the best line down the hill, which might be zigging and zagging left and right, or if it's a big rut all the way down the middle, sometimes you can stay up on the left as long as possible, but you're going to slide into the rut. That's when I'll cross the rut and ride down on the right side. But going slowly in control of your traction gives you the time to adjust your line and assess your line. Mm. flying down a hill takes very, very experienced kind of racing experience to get you down to the bottom at high speeds.
0: Okay. For practice now, you said you have some, some uh, exercises for us to do at home to increase our
1: skill level for riding downhill. What have you got? Yeah. You don't even need a hill at first to get comfortable with the slowness required for downhills, try it on flat ground first. Pavement is the easiest because the front tire's not wobbling around at all on any kind of gravel debris. So pick a parking lot. Don't do this on traffic on the way home. Uh, always go with a buddy. And what I would work on is try to go as slow as possible in first gear, standing up with your butt back. So you're in the body position of a downhill ascent, descent, but you're on flat ground. So move often first, get going 10, 15 kilometers an hour, 10 miles an hour. Then scrub off some speed by gentle clutch pull in with two fingers and try one finger braking. So I'm not pulling repetitively, I'm not pumping the brake, I'm breathing on the front brake with one finger of my right hand, mm-hmm. I still have a bit of throttle on, I still got the clutch engaged, but try to get your speed consistently down below 10 miles an hour, which is 16 kilometers an hour, mm-hmm. and see and feel the sensation of the front suspension compressing. If you had a close-up slow-motion camera, you would see the front tire flatten out because there's weight on it now. You've put it there with your front brake. That weight transfer is created. That gives you better traction is one positive. And if you get really good at doing that, you might be able to get to the point five miles an hour, eight kilometers an hour, And that means the bike's going to start chugging. With the clutch all the way out, it doesn't like going five miles an hour. It's going to chug and stall, possibly then you fall. So this is when you add another element to your skill set. You're going to have to pull in the clutch a little bit, not all the way in, because then you have zero engine braking and your suspension will elevate and your speed picks up if you have the clutch engaged moderately the rear suspension is still hunkered down because it's hooked up to the back wheel that's engaged Mm -hmm. and that's the trick to that's the best homework you could do for practicing hills is being able to get below around five miles an hour lower than that you're going so slow that you'll just lose balance and have to put a foot down. Right. So um, there's, there's a secret speed, a happy speed, where you don't feel like you're going to lose balance, but you're in complete control of your speed with the front brake and the clutch. Then change it, stage two, do that in a gravel parking lot or on a really flat gravel road with your four-way flashers on. And you've got to be careful of that because the local people do 50 miles an hour in their car and pickup trucks on gravel. What is this chucklehead doing five <laughs> miles an hour doing in front of me? Yeah. So you've got to be very, very careful. We don't do any of that kind of practice near hills because yeah. well, that, you that's can't e- see.
0: It's easy enough to just, if you, you get on a real straight stretch and then um, you see a vehicle, just put your signal on and wait till they, they pass. You stop exactly. and wait till they pass. That's Pull what, over and
1: stop. The, the higher degree of difficulty is the little bit looser de- terrain of gravel compared to pavement. But you should be comfortable in your front brake skills before you jump into gravel. Because it's going to change. Maybe the gravel is quite hard packed where the tires go all the time. The tire... Treads of cars and trucks. So it's almost like pavement. Mm-hmm. Then, if you deviate two feet to the right, you're in softer gravel. The same amount of brake you just had on the hard gravel is going to cause you to lock up in the looser terrain. So now the brain has to figure out okay, what's the appropriate amount of brake based on the traction I have when the terrain changes? If you get to like mud puddles or sandy areas, you're going to have to learn to modulate and adjust the application of your front brake with your finger because traction changes what the front brake is going to give you in deceleration. And then you can do that competently. Then you're ready for some gentle downhills.
0: And then it's obvious you'd start with a smaller downhill and um, actually probably the length and the steepness are are both factors in making it more difficult. So you want to take a short, less steep hill to begin with and work your way up.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly what we do at the school. I'm very, very aware of the psychology of how... Our voice talks to us in our own helmet. Mm -hmm. If you start on too steep a hill, too challenging a rutted terrain, big rocks, that's going to freak you out. And you may well try tennis instead. Mm. So you have to build up your skill sets. Your confidence builds alongside of it until the point the voice in your head is saying, you know what, we can do this. We've practiced this. Rather than that voice screaming in your helmet saying, what are we doing here? This is insane. You
0: know, that's another argument for taking a course is that um, if you go with your buddy, quite often, you know, you'll have mismatched riding buddies. One guy will be, one one rider will be better than the other rider. Far more advanced skills, not better, but more advanced skills. And one yes. of the, the downsides of that is you go to the advanced sort of areas with an advanced rider and then you get scared. Whereas if you take the course and you sort of build up properly, that that's very important in building your confidence at the same time as you're describing.
1: Absolutely. And there's great, even if you don't have a course, there's so many people doing very, very good. Some of them are crap, but some of them are very, very good um, tutorials on how to go downhills. And you'll hear some things differently than I've said. That makes sense. Take a little bit of what I've said, a little bit of other people. But the main voice you got to hear is your own. And that's only going to be a confident voice with practice. Hmm. Spend
0: your money on fuel instead of
1: accessories. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's so true, Jim, (laughs) that people, um, I applaud when they take training courses But then I see them on one of these trips and Clint McBride from Dual Sport Plus, who organizes these trips, he even gives them in the literature. You know, if you haven't done a lot of gravel riding, you know, our buddy Clinton offers a discount for anybody going on these trips. And I happily give the discount because it's self-serving. I'd rather train and work with you here than in the Yukon at the side of the road after you've crashed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so people will take the course, but then I meet them on the trip as I did last, you know, a few days ago. And I remember you, you were a little weak with your U-turn skills. Have you worked on that? You know what? Work has been crazy I probably have done three tanks of gas on my bike since I took your course oh, nine no. months ago. Oh, no. Uh, and it's frustrating for me. I get it. Life gets in the way. We we don't, we don't all get the opportunity to ride as much as I do. Mm-hmm. But it's just tough. I, I think people really have to prepare themselves better than just preparing their bikes. Uh, all the bikes that I encounter have a lot of doodads on them and fancy electronics. That's not gonna help you ride the thing if you don't have the skill set. So invest a little money in some training, or at least as you say, Jim, burn some gas, go out and train. Mm -hmm. I think in our interview today, you said five or six times, that's a place I love to practice. I loved going to that hill. Uh, A lot of people don't practice.
0: Well, Clinton, that was great. I I know we've been a long time here, but thank you very much. Just just fantastic information.
1: That's great. Thank you, Jim. All the best.
0: Okay, so just for a quick recap, because I I didn't get Clinton to do it before we finished up. So I'm just going to go over what he said. Remember when you're going down the hill, you're going slow and very controlled. He said it's safer to go from slow to slower than from fast to slow. And that's pretty obvious if you think about going down a hill. Body position, your weight is back, well back into the the pillion position, standing on the pegs, one finger on the front brake, two fingers on the clutch, eyes up and looking down, picking your route as you go or, or making sure you're on the route as you go transmission is in first gear the clutch is fully out and you're using engine braking that's unless you get really really slow where you'll actually have to pull in the clutch a little bit to make up for the difference between the the slowest speed the bike will go and chugging the engine the front brake causes that weight transfer the front brake is super important on the hill pick a line judge attraction from the terrain and obviously you don't want to be near anyone you want to wait till the person in front of you already gets down the hill or almost all the way down the hill same thing for going up of course abs you're gonna to have to look at your abs and figure out how it works understand do you have an off-road abs is it suitable for this sort of thing and i would highly recommend as anybody would try it before you get onto a hill or any sort of stressful situation because if it's street abs it is downright scary off-road it's just like you have no brakes you actually pick up speed it's, it's, it's pretty terrifying and then follow clinton's instruction for doing the home practice build yourself up to hills That was Clinton Smout, the head instructor at Smart Adventures in Ontario, Canada. You can find out more about Clinton at smartadventures.ca. We've got the link in the show notes, of course, and we've got some photos that that Clinton gave us illustrating some of the points that he made in the show notes on our website for this episode, adventureriderradio.com. The okay up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, the listener, thank you very much for being a part of this by listening to the show. If you're not doing it already, I would really appreciate it if you would drop by the website, AdventureRiderRadio.com, and click on the support button. Just have a look at what we've got there. And I think $10 or more gets you a sticker sent at you, and I think $50 or more gets you a shout-out on our Raw show. And we would really appreciate it if you consider becoming a patron supporter. That's got some perks in it as well. And... Uh, that means we can count on you for being there every month. Just think about what a cup of coffee does for you, and then maybe what you get from Adventure Rider Radio. We're here every week for you, bringing you interesting, hopefully informative stuff. So um, again, thanks for listening, but really try and step it up if you can. And just anything, anything would help. Anyway... Get out there and ride your bike if you can. Don't forget, we've got our other show, Adventure Rider Radio Raw. We've got a new episode of that coming out anytime now. So uh, drop by uh, wherever you're getting your podcast. Search for Adventure Rider Radio Raw and Adventure Rider Radio are two separate shows, separate feeds. You'll need to subscribe separately. Anyway, like I said, get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you very much once again, and I will talk to you next week.
1: Hi, this is Charlie Bowman and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs>